Hi, and welcome back to the How to Decorate podcast from Ballard Designs. We want to teach you how to decorate your home and unleash your inner decorator. So we'll be interviewing interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world, sharing the trials and triumphs of our own homes, and also answering your decorating questions. I'm Caroline. I run the Ballard Designs blog, How to Decorate. And I'm Taryn. I'm on the product design team at Ballard. And I'm Karen, and I head up branding at Ballard. And we are your hosts. Hi. I'll go first because I have so many things. Well, no, not really, but this is like the one big thing that I texted y'all over the weekend. Y'all, we painted our house. I'm. It's amazing looking. It looks so good. Yeah. Oh, I have to tell y'all, we have been having anxiety all weekend long. Um, Just, I think it's just such a huge change that I'm feeling a little unsettled about it at the moment. Um, we've been, you know, kind of going back and forth. Like, did, is it too much? That was a confident have... choice. We're like, well, we're not afraid. We have to give ourselves credit for that because, whoa. Um, I'm s- still feeling like a little uneasy about it um, because, you know, we have this sort of end vision and we're going to sort of... In- enclose this one portion of the house and make it a patio and build like kind of a modern fence. And so without having gotten to those steps yet, and we may, I don't know if we're going to do those steps this year, we might, um, depending on how it prices out, we might wait till next year. Um, It's, you know, it's like getting, it's like the middle of the project. And so I'm feeling not super confident about not that we painted it black, but do we, did we go too dark? Um, you know, is it, should I have done anyway? It's just, it's like good. We, painted, we painted all the trim. We painted everything. I think it's good. It like really jet good. black, black, black. It's not dark gray. It is black. Um, every day I'm getting, I'm feeling better about it. And I think once we have neighbors stop by, yeah. I figured neighbors would have been like, Oh, uh, only one of our neighbors has said anything. Um, and what's actually, this is a funny story. So we, the painters had been like spraying, I think this was either Thursday afternoon or Friday afternoon, the painters had been spraying and, um, I could sort of see like our parking area next to our house sort of looks out on the front door of the next door neighbor's house. So if you stand where cars park, you can, you're like 15 feet from the neighbor's sort of landing anyways. So the, so the husband and wife and their and the husband's brother were sort of standing on the back on the porch with um drinks watching our guys paint and um they like came and kind of hollered at us and so we were chatting and they were like so we love your house it's going to look amazing um also we're painting our house black too so they were like we literally just got our samples today before we saw your guys start <laughs> So that'll be really funny. Um, that is I mean, crazy. They're like, we just don't want you to think we like copied you, but we also, our our next door neighbor's house will actually look amazing black because it's really, really cool. But um, but also kind of one of those weird 70s kind of geometric-y looking, and it's weird. Um, anyway, so we're going to have a pair of black houses next to each other. 
So that does make me feel better. So they were very complimentary and really liked it. Some of the other neighbors were like, we're going to really need to wait and see. <laughs> but I can't believe they said that. <laughs> wait, wait and see? Yes. Well, I mean, when they had said it, you know, it's been like a four-day process. It's not like they finish in one day. So the first two days, they were sort of taping and doing trims. And then they paint all the brick, which is only half the house. So I think the na- we talked to the neighbors when it was partially beige, partially black. You know, so it, it looked really weird. Anyway, so um, my my in-laws made me feel a lot better about it because they totally get where we're going and they're very excited and think it looks amazing. And it makes me feel better to hear y'all say that. I'm still a little getting used to it. I think once we get to the final end point, it's going to be incredible. It's just, there may be a little while before we get there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's a little it's scary. Process. Yeah. I already think it looks amazing. Yeah, I do too. Good. Thanks. Mm-hmm. I mean, it looks way better than it did before. Yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of, um, and I didn't even send you all my front door color. Oh, well, I'll tell you, I haven't, I don't have a final photo yet, but we went, we did not go with what we had discussed on. You're not going episode. very pink. What are you doing? Well, we're, do- um, it was more just the color. Once you got that color into the location. Yeah. You wanted something brighter, I think. Cause it yes. was dim in there. Mm-hmm. So, um, we went with Benjamin Moore's crushed velvet, which is sort of just dark magenta. I'm looking um, it right now. Very cool. cool. Anyways. So, yeah. I also have a painter at my house. What are you painting? I am repainting my kitchen cabinets because remember how That's Jacob right. sprayed shout all over them <laughs> that one time? Um, oh my God, I forgot that. Are you doing <laughs> the same color? I'm doing the same exact color because I'm the world's most boring person. So doing my kitchen cabinets and then also my family room walls and my hall walls, which just gets a lot of traffic. So uh-huh. the kitchen, family room, hall are all connected. It's doing the same color in there too. And then I am doing my master bathroom white because remember how I installed the towel warmer like two years ago mm-hmm. and then never patched the wall or anything. It's just been white kind of spackle. <laughs> the, best part of, the best part about anyone who's listened to this podcast from the beginning is it's now like three years of things where you're like, this is a great idea. Yeah, and some of you have already been like, no, bad idea, guys. <laughs> Don't do it. So that's getting painted as well. So I'm excited. Joe and I are actually going out of town. What? And getting on an airplane. What? tomorrow so he's mostly doing the painting while we're out of town so i'll yeah, that's good. our next trials and triumphs i will update you on air travel and tell you how it is out there in the world Oops. i'm actually excited for that yeah. update mm-hmm. i yeah. need it i will i'll let you know yes well mine this week is that i got a um i was excited just because i'd ordered some more of this pop belly baskets from ikea they're like 10 bucks but i needed some more toy storage because elliot has quite a bit more toys because we were at home more often and not in school. Um, so that has been really beneficial for making, again, just a little more clutter. Goodbye. Um, and then my trial is we are looking at our house plans and trying to place some of our favorite furniture we own in like certain rooms. And it is just funny to like, you know, you place it in and like we tell everyone who listens, you know, I'm using the floor plan you know, tool. And I'm like, Oh, we'll just put that sofa in the, in the study. And then I like plopped it in the study and I was like, no, we made the study small. So we were like, no, 
to that scale is already, I can tell from the plan view that is not going to work. <laughs> so um, that would probably be my trial this week is just being like, okay, so not there. What about just, try, you know, we're already kind of thinking like, oh, we'll buy, you know, bigger, we're thinking bigger pieces, I should say. So right. just trying to place what we own and what we like. So, so you get a plan, a full plan of what you're going to have to So overall, yeah. is the stuff you already have too small for the room or too big? Like if you're putting, um, if we you're, had made on purpose, we had said we want the study to be a small kind of warm. And the dining room, it. we also said we just wanted to fit a dining table and like one buffet. We didn't want it to be this huge room. Um, so both of those rooms are pretty small. But then like, of course, the den is big and kitchen's big and all that. So there'll be plenty of space. This house is big. It just was funny that we have this one massive sofa and I thought it would fit in that room. And it was just like two. I was Weird. like, I think the scale of this will not be working. <laughs> well, it's good though that you're working on that before you finalize the plans, because you'll have an idea of even in your big um, family room. Oh, like we need another foot here, or this is three feet too big. Or, you know what I mean? And you can adjust before yeah. you start building, which is very smart. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think that's why we're trying to do it now, just in case like, Hey, so we don't want the fireplace on that wall. Like right. it just doesn't work for a layout. So again, we're being loose, like, you know, floor plans, you can scoot around furniture, but trying to place the items that we own and would like to keep. So that's yeah. what we're doing. That's but, smart and exciting and fun. Yeah. It's like a puzzle. So, it is. It is a fun puzzle. It is a fun thing to be taking up some quarantine time, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Karen, that's is it. your painter your your trial and your triumph, or is that? Oh, not, sorry, Karen. Did I cut you no, off? No, no, I don't think no. you did. That's just sort of the highlight of my week, all mashed together. I wish so that do I you would have more. No, I don't have oh, okay. more. Okay, okay. I know. I just wanted to make sure. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sure I could make some things up. I did style at my office, y'all. So it's really cute. I'm Can very... we get a photo? Sure, sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or post yeah, it to your good. Instagram. Okay. We just want to see it. Yeah. All right. It's cute. All right. Let's get to our guest. Let's do it. Okay. So our guest today, we're so excited. Is a He's a potter. He's a designer. He's an author. You've, uh, you probably know him for his whimsical, irreverent, bold designs and his furnishings collection. You also might know him for his iconic design of the Parker Palm Springs Hotel and his redesign of the Parker Palm Springs Hotel, uh, which we're going to get to soon. This is Welcome. Jonathan Adler. Thank you. How are you guys? It's so nice to be here with you. We're excited to have you. Good. Great. We got you cornered so in COVID, so there was no escape. <laughs> yes, there's no escape, but this is a delightful way to be spending my um, COVID quarantine. So you're you're quarantined at your beach house. I am. I'm quarantined at my beach house on Shelter Island, which is in the Hamptons, but it's sort of a little rustic island enclave within the Hamptons. And I am lucky because we are surrounded by the most majestic nature. And last night, we saw a bald eagle um, sitting on the branch of one of our trees outside. Wow. Right? Wow. Did you shoot it? That's got to be good <laughs> luck, right? Um, it's <laughs> Karen. <laughs> yeah, you know, just adding. I think maybe they're not endangered anymore. Who no. knows? Um, no, it's pretty incredible, the wildlife that I'm lucky to live in. And it's inspiring and life-affirming. I bet. We're a little jealous. 
Yeah, Although, yeah. I mean, the three yeah. of us do have outdoor spaces we can go to during this. But I, right. I mean, I just can't imagine if one is in an apartment in New York or wherever without an outdoor space to kind of have a little outlet. I mean, I, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I normally live in New York City and I'm so lucky to have a bolt hole to decamp to. So I'm one of the lucky New Yorkers, mm-hmm. but, you know, New York is unfortunately the epicenter of this. And um, I have a lot of friends and family who are going through it. And oy they. I'm a little surprised that they haven't um, sucked up and come stayed as guests. Well, you know what? Finally, I'm getting my mommy to come out and stay in a couple of weeks. She's been sort of, she's 86. She's been on her own and she hasn't really wanted to come out. But mm-hmm. I finally, I feel like we've all yeah. been quarantined long enough that we're, you know, safe. Right. And I'm finally getting her out here. So I'm excited. That's nice. Yeah, that'll yeah. be good. So tell us a little bit about how you got started. And I was telling the girls, one of my favorite things in doing research about this uh, interview was <laughs> reading the timeline that you've put together on your website of it's, the history of you and your company. It's amazing. It's hysterical. <laughs> so, yeah. so give us a little uh, a version of that, where you where you came from and what, why are you so fabulous? <laughs> <laughs> um, sure. I came from a small farm town. Um in New Jersey, but like like south of the Mason-Dixon line, New Jersey. So kind of just a tiny, truly, like kind of a tiny farm town. Um, and I first tried pottery when I was 12 at summer camp. And I knew immediately that I loved it and that I wanted to make my life doing it, which seems... Oh, that's Foxy Lady. Um, she disagrees, apparently. Um, which seemed like... Um, an audacious thing to know at that age, but I did. And um, I spent my teenage years just making pots in the basement of my family's groovy modern home. And um, again, never thought I would be able to make a career of something so silly as pottery. And yet um, I, I went to college and got, you know, a fancy degree and all that. Foxy. <laughs> um, and... Um, then when I was in my mid twenties, I, I was a failure at being an adult. I was very bad at adulting and jobbing. And I thought, well, I got to go back to making pottery and give it a try. And that was 25 years ago. And here I am. It is amazing to me that, that when I, when I think of pottery, I think of a bowl or a, uh, you know, sometimes a vase, if you're really good at it, but you have parlayed that into this design world that, is I don't even know how to how you could envision that path. You know, how did it get from there to there? I mean, there have been a lot of steps along the way, but I'll tell you a funny one was when I first um, was in my studio making pots, and that was like I was 27. I was teaching night classes at this pottery studio called Mud, Sweat, and Tears. Um, <laughs> potters love puns. Um, it was in Hell's Kitchen and. In exchange for teaching night classes, I got studio space. And then, so I started with no money at all to do this. And then I got an order from Barney's and I, I ended up getting studio space, shared studio space um, in Soho. And I kind of saw, like, my fellow studio people um, all were typical potters in that they were all sort of making something making it again and again and again and again and again. And at first the orders got um, were big and then they kind of tailed off. And it made me realize immediately that um, in order to 
build a business, I had to be different from them. I needed to keep changing and growing and moving. So um, I kind of learned early on that the typical route for a potter could not be a route to a sustainable business, that I needed to like constantly evolve and change like radically and always. I'm, I honestly, there's so, there's so many questions. I'm more struck, so I don't, I'm, I'm just like enjoying the words, so. <laughs> well, okay, I do want to talk about the Parker Hotel, but before we get to that, I'm curious if you still um, sit at your pottery wheel and Yeah, throw? yes, I do throw at the pottery wheel all the time, <laughs> and that's actually been one of the most challenging things about quarantine for me is that I haven't been able to get into my studio and actually make stuff which is both frustrating for me personally and a challenge for my company because we still make all the prototypes in my pottery studio. So um, it's really impacted my ability to generate new samples and we're sort of having to find new ways to work, um, having to rely on some of our ceramic partners to sort of try and have them make samples remotely, which is Mm. a new experience. Yeah. Yeah, you can't exactly get your kiln out to the shelter no, or else, can you? No, no, no. I want to know how you hopped from again being this potist, whatever potter. I always yeah, want to call it a potter. That's why I want to call it a potist, but every earth, single time on Earth we call it a potter. But you live, you live your truth. <laughs> My truth currently is quarantine, and so potist it is. Okay, That's potist. a potist. Um, <laughs> I want to know how you made than the jump to interiors because your interiors are just dessert and so wonderful. And I want to know how that happened. Um, Yeah. It's funny when I talk about it, it does, I do sound sort of glib and make it seem like presto. It just sort of happened. And of course that's not the way, the way it worked. The way it really worked was that um, I was a potter, but I always was sort of a very, um, connoisseurial person, you know, like I studied art history in college and I've always been a voracious student of not only ceramic history, but also art history and design history, especially. So as a potter, I sort of always imagined my work in a, in, in iconic interiors or in sort of a design context, um, which is atypical for, for a potter, you know, typically a potter sort of Um, is working within a ceramic idiom. And I always thought of things as a designer, if that makes any sense. Um, So I was was always very well versed in and a fan of interiors. And I also, um, I also sort of had always have had a sense of possibility and optimism. And uh, I've always said yes to everything. So I've never saw any real distinction between one type of design and another type of design, you know, I thought, well, if I'm making a pot, the exact same concerns are, um, are in any design endeavor. Um, and at one point, a friend of mine just asked me to design her house and I was like, okay, another, a different design project. And so I did. Wow. So for those who are listening, who have been under a rock, how would you describe to them your interior aesthetic for your design? Um, I mean, I call my overall aesthetic modern American glamour, which is modern in the sense that I always try to keep things fresh and new and original. Um, American in that I think my work 
does have a sort of an American exuberance and sense of optimism. Um, and glamour is, of course, it should really be glamour uh, modern American because glamour is the foundation of everything I do. It's really the, the core of it. And to me, glamour is a, it's a very strange word and it's very difficult to define. I think it means different things to different people. But to me, glamour is really about having swagger. It's about being bold and memorable, flouting the rules, not caring, um, and being original. So it's sort of an all-encompassing word that I think captures what I strive to do. So it's, it's about having swagger. So my work is modern, American, and filled with swagger. Well, one of the things that we're always saying to people on the podcast is that your home should reflect you and your personality. And when people walk in, they should be able to feel you in your home. And I was mm -hmm. reading one of your quotes and you said, you sort of took it to another level. You said it should reflect you at your most glamorous and eccentric, which I thought was such a great way to push mm -hmm. people and make them understand. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, interiors are really portraits of people. Um, and they, you know, and in, in the many people can't really see themselves terribly accurately or what they could be. So I think a good interior designer um, shows people what they can be and how memorable their lives can be. Um, I also, I, I think one of my most genius quotes, and my God, if I had a lifetime of genius <laughs> quotes, um, one of my most genius quotes was, um, that I said that as a decorator, I feel like I'm really a slimming mirror for my clients, mm -hmm. um, reflecting them at their most beautiful self. Your home was in um, El Decor. Loved seeing that. I, I'm going to put a bunch of links for everyone listening in the show notes to okay. your home on Shelter Island, which is in AD, El Decor. Um, New York Magazine did a great video with the two of y'all that I really loved. But um, Oh, yeah. I think just at every turn, it's clear that you're a risk taker. And, you know, I know you have spoken to that a little bit, but is there, I mean, is there ever a time where you've, it, clearly it's something you've always had, but is there ever a time where you've sort of questioned it or, you know, you're a little bit scared to take on a project or a, you know? Um, I think I've never really been scared, but I think I'm, I'm a very self-critical person as I think any good designer should be because yeah I think that in order to be a good designer one has to be very self-critical and analytical because design is a massaging process it's like right people say writing is rewriting I think the same paradigm applies to design you need to be able to look at things with an intensely critical eye think what's not working what do I need to do blah 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 anyway um, I think that as in as much as my work appears risky it's because I am very self-critical and I always want to make things that are new and bold and original, not merely things that sort of are appealing in a, in a, in a genre ish way. You know, I want things, I want to be um, breaking rules, breaking ground and making new things because on some level, I feel like if I'm not doing that, what is the point? Like why did I even get out of bed in the morning? Your interiors are sort of this epitome of fearlessness and bold um, and swagger, as you say. How do how does a normal person do that without it looking like an insane person did it? Um, that's <laughs> a really caution. good question. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm not going to lie. Some of my some of my decorating moves are varsity moves. 
you know, I think um, screens are a varsity move, but they should be considered. Um, I think that it's, it's, it's about being daring and not worrying about what your neighbors will think of you. And it's mm-hmm. about um, effort. You know, it's about effort and imagination, which I think all of us can summon. Um, you know, and I think the, the lay person can be an effective designer if they just are willing to try to hone that critical eye. Um, on a sort of, on a strange note, I think that Instagram has actually made everyone a better designer because now that everyone's constantly looking at images and curating images, I think naturally most people have started to develop really clear understandings of composition, what makes a photograph work or not work. And I think the exact same model can be applied to decorating. You kind of just need to, you know, look around, study, try to be connoisseurial and you'll learn to do things better. I was curious mm-hmm. how, okay, you said you, that your friend asked you to decorate her home. I imagine that was in the late 90s, early 2000s. And then you yep. do the Parker Hotel in 2004. So how does one go from that seemingly small project to a huge thing like redesigning a hotel? That was a real stroke of luck. So the house that I decorated for my friend was this really incredible, iconic mid-century home on Shelter Island. And I did a great job, I got to (laughs) say, looking back. I was sort of a naive, but I really nailed it. And it was just one of those things. So that um, house was published in the New York Times magazine. So it got, you know, really great um, editorial placement. And then the owner of the, ha- the hotel just called me up and was like, hey, I love that house. Do you want to come decorate a hotel? And I was like, sure. So that's <laughs> unlike most experiences in my life, which have been really um, hard won. You know, I've sort of always had to really work hard to get where I've been. That's kind of one of those things that fell into my lap. Nice. Good job. Well, Thank and you. then I, <laughs> you did a you good know, Clearly job. that mm-hmm. is like some, I feel like that's a spot that everyone recognizes because it is iconic. But then how do you go back 12 years later, redesign it again? Were you happy with, you know, after another 15 years of experience, did you still love what you did before? Did you totally rethink it? Um, I actually loved what I did before. I think it really held up. And I think as I look back on it, there were actually a lot of things I did in that hotel that I think were um, trendsetting. And now that, you know, with the, um, with the benefit of looking of mm-hmm. hindsight, I can kind of see some of the things. Like, I really was um, an early proponent of the Beni Warren rugs, mm-hmm. those Moroccan rugs. I used them throughout the Parker and Moroccan lanterns and sort of a um, rustic, modern, hippy-dippy aesthetic. So... Yeah, was, I'm quite proud of it. I think it, there's um, a lot of timeless elements to it and then a lot of singular elements. I think it came out great. However, um, 12 or however many years later, it definitely needed a refresh, as we all do. Um, you know, and so I gave a facelift to it, which I would love to get a facelift <laughs> myself. <laughs> Every 12 years. Every 12 years. <laughs> Or less. Right. Can I ask a little bit about the practicality of your interiors? So 
particularly the house you're in right now, your shelter island house, it's a very open floor plan. It appears from the photos mm -hmm. and from from all the stalking I've done, <laughs> the drone that's outside right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I think that's a challenge for a lot of people. Uh, and then the, if you'd speak to it, if you don't mind, and then the solution that you did um, for your kitchen, also part of this open floor plan, but with sort of the higher counter so it's still open but people can't see all your bits and pieces yeah well i mean i you know simon and i don't have kids so um that that's i think a practical consideration in decorating that we didn't um have to grapple with so you know we didn't want a uh, kitchen island that would serve as a like um counter uh so we could create this kind of a wall that houses our kitchen and creates a feeling of openness but also uh hides all the mess it was smart yeah. i loved it it's great it's really our kitchen out here is teensy weensy and hyper functional and it's one of the greatest things about this house i was curious about the way you use color because uh Okay, and I don't know how to explain this. I'm going to try to do my best. But it seems almost like a lot of the times your color color palettes in rooms are mismatched but coordinated, if that makes sense. Um, mm. Like you pair together colors that might not necessarily seem like, for example, and I noticed this especially <laughs> when I was looking through the Parker Hotel um, you know, there would be a room, there would be lots of blue, and then you would have a accent in just one chair that was red or something and it worked perfectly but it was it's such an unusual choice and so i'm curious how you take those risks just specific to color yeah that's a really good question i think um i am a terribly misunderstood designer uh in that people often in as much as they think about me, they often misunderstand me. People will say like, oh, you're whimsical. But the truth is I'm actually quite serious and brooding. Or people will say, oh, you're all about just wild color. And in reality, when you look at my work, my interiors, typically they have a very um, neutral foundation. Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of white walls. Um, I usually have a, just a very muted palette. You know, often it's just like white walls, a black and white thing with just pops of color. And I think that if you are, um, that's one surefire way to do things is to have a neutral foundation. And that way you can use accents of color with abandon um, without them overwhelming things. And it makes those pops of color memorable. Um, as for the, I think you're referring to like a red chair on the Parker. I think chairs can be sculpture in a room and they should, you should always think about having a chair that completely it's a departure from whatever scheme you have in your brain um, and think of it as just sort of like a, an art piece or a sculpture or a vehicle for the unexpected. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I did notice that most of your projects have very neutral upholstery because I kind mm -hmm. of went into it with the same thought. Oh, color everywhere, riotous colors. But as I was, you know, drilling in and examining I was like, oh, well, yeah, it's a, it's a white sofa or a tan settee or everything. That neutral brace really did provide sort of this great, uh, I don't know, what do you call it? Whatever. And for all the, like you said, the, the accents on top. Yeah. Well, I think uh, 
you know, there's sort of a, I'm trying to think of how to explain this, kind of like almost a taxonomy of design and the way you, the way one might look at a room, you sort of have to um, think about like, what are the big gestures and then drill down and like, and so I think that um, a neutral background is typically sort of the big framing gesture for my stuff. And then I focus on smaller things to really add um, jolt of swagger and personality. So and, I ma- and I make those objects. I, I strive to make objects that will add that jolt of swagger and personality, whether it's a brass banana or a, um, a pillow with beaded gold eyes. You know, I try to make sort of those um, eccentric accents that make a room really memorable. I was going to ask when you're saying, you know, you start with the neutral thing and then you add your pizzazz later, your ginormous macrame owl in your living room? Yes. Now, do you call that pizzazz or would that be sort of a neutral thing? Well, it's a good question because it's um, neutral of color, but I'm looking at it right now. Um, (laughs) It's neutral of color and it's a, it's an object that the eye understands, you know, it's not anything you've never seen before, Macrame Al, but the scale, which is enormous, um, really takes it to 11. And I think that's something art can do. You know, I think art should never, should be a wild card in any space. Well, and I love that you're, again, we get trapped in that art is a canvas and that's not necessarily true. And every one of your projects shows that, you know, and again, your your product shows that it isn't just a canvas, mm-hmm. that there are so many ways um, to do art and make art. So Yeah. And I think I think uh I, I've never really as I said before, when you know you said how do you go from being a potter to be a designer, I've never really seen a distinction between any type of design, nor do I see a distinction between art and design. In fact, um, I think people tend to deify artists and think that they're somehow great seers in our world and they have some special powers. But I just think they're, you know, people who make things um, like anybody else. And um, I try not to eat, treat, I try not to treat art or design or anything as terribly sacred. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have to ask, was David Hicks uh, an influence on you? I I feel like I see a lot of him in some of your David Hicks. Work. No, I've never heard of him. <laughs> Slash, yes. Um, I live for David Hicks. And uh, when I was first starting my career as a potter, I used to haunt the Strand bookstore um, in New York. And that's when I really, I knew who David Hicks was, but that's when I really did a deep dive into him and saw somebody who was, um, a forever hero of mine. And um, David Hicks is a forever hero of mine. He he did everything that I think design should do. He, he was creative and original and he mixed traditional with modern. Um, he made spaces that were bold and memorable and sort of showed that chic doesn't have to conform to a known genre. You can invent new ways to be chic. And he certainly did that. Mm-hmm. He knew who he knew swagger. <laughs> swagger. Uh-huh. <laughs> swagger. 
I was curious. Okay. So you said that you felt like the Parker was maybe a little bit of a trend or it set some trends. And what do you think is coming down the pipeline in far of tre- as far as trends? Ah, trends are such face a masks. trend. <laughs> yeah, face masks, I'm afraid. Um, mm. Trends are such a strange thing because I think trends used to mean a lot more than they do today. I think now we live in a world that is so, like, it's so chaotic and there's so much stuff in the planet and available that the good news is you don't really need to follow trends. You can just like what you like and it's neither in nor out. Like every trend is forever now, which is great. However, I'm trying to think of what actual trends I see. Um, I don't know, just the same stuff. They all just continue to exist. Nothing goes out of style, right. which is great. Because it means cycle. that it's, yeah, it just, it just means everything is um, available to everyone and you can just choose your style without worrying about whether it's in or out is there something you're newly in love with that you've fallen in love with lately that you sort of on your radar oh my god maybe a color i'm doing a lot of stuff in lavender um i'm loving lavender for some reason and i'm doing a lot of stuff in o'donnell which i don't know if you guys do you know what o'donnell is i'm gonna school you girls yes i'm gonna Um, know o'donnell o'donnell is sort of uh it's kind of like a mint uh, robin's eggy somewhere in that family. And it really means it's the water of the Nile, um, mm-hmm. O'Donnell. And it is really the color of England in like the 30s and 40s. It kind of has this mournful mm-hmm. um, color. I think Claridge's Hotel, uh, if you look on their website, probably you'll see their, like their signature color is O'Donnell. And it, yeah, it has this English 30s mournful vibe, and I love it. <laughs> Mad for Are it. you pairing it okay. with lavender? Yes, actually, I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're kind of complementary opposites, mm-hmm. but they work really well together. <laughs> well, shall we do a listener dilemma? Yes. Can you help us solve a problem? Lindsay writes and she says, okay, hi ladies. After a decade of city living, my family and I are gearing up for a move to the rural suburbs in a few weeks. We purchased a 1980s contemporary post and beam house that features an open concept living space with very high ceilings, a large brick fireplace wall, and a wooden spiral staircase in the center of the living room. The house is unlike anything else we'd seen before and we instantly fell in love with it. It also helps that it's surrounded by woods and greenery, which makes us feel like we're on vacation during our home tour. Um, The reason I'm writing you today is because although the home is in good condition, it's very dated and has lots of surfaces and finishes that need to be revamped. I'm hoping you ladies and and you, Jonathan, of course, um, (laughs) can help to take a look and let you know thoughts on how to make this house more modern and functional. My specific questions include A. We are planning to paint the kitchen cabinets white and replace the countertops with a light stone. Would you also recommend we paint the ceiling white, not the beams, with the actual wooden planks of the kitchen and dining room ceiling, as well as the sunroom ceiling? My husband isn't sold on this idea, but it seems like this would brighten up the whole space. And then B, would you do anything to update the spiral staircase? My friend suggested painting the rails and balusters black for a more modern look. I'm a little nervous to touch it, but do feel it looks outdated. 
and C, what type of arrangement do you think would look best in front of that massive fireplace? I'm not sure if a TV would work there. Um, we have very young kids, so it would be nice if they had some kind of TV area on this lower level so that I can cook and be near them. We will have a main family room TV room upstairs in the loft. Really, any feedback you have about the space would be interesting and helpful to me. This is our first home, and I'm so excited I found your podcast. I've been listening nonstop to take my mind off the current news and focus on the fun parts of life, like decorating. Hmm. Um, so anyway, so that is – it's a big, it's a big, beautiful post and beam home. Yeah. Gorgeous. So I'll, I'll tell you my take on all of it. First of all, for your listeners who aren't seeing it, they should know this house is incredible. And the central staircase is not just any central staircase. It is like a sculptural swooping um, key feature and the space is soaring. It's like a really incredible house. Um, my, what I would do if I were dealing with this house myself, um, I would keep the floors because they love the floors. I'm not positive I would keep them that tone, but I think that it could work in that tone. And then I would paint everything else white. I would paint the ceilings, the stair, well, maybe the staircase, maybe not the staircase, definitely the brick. I would paint the brick white. Um, as for the television dilemma, um, I don't think you should put a TV where the fireplace is. Like, let the, especially if there's an upstairs family room, let the fireplace be what it is. And in terms of a floor plan, it's a, it's sort of a loft-like space. You know, it's a big, somewhat challenging space. So I think you're going to need to do some sort of, think of them as little seating pavilions, if you will, like, or little seating pads. Like, I think social distancing actually can be um, very instructive for you if you think of, like, just creating sort of maybe three little seating areas, each of which is socially distant from the other, and perhaps not all overly rectilinear, like a curved or angled sofa might be your friend in this case. Mm -hmm. I, what we didn't mention is that there literally is a hot tub embedded in the floor of the sunroom, basically straight uh, in right. front of you when you walk in the front door. Who did that? I think that is awesome. <laughs> You buried the lead. There is a hot tub in the sunroom. This is a party place. It is a party um, place. It's a hedonistic hideaway. So if you have, I would say, um, just imprison the, the um, little kids upstairs. Don't even let them come downstairs and let the uh, <laughs> downstairs just be a loose yeah. hedonistic hideaway <laughs> for suburban swinging. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, the other thing that the tile does in this house, which is interesting to me, is that they've tiled all the areas that they would intend for you to eat in. So it's making you visually think, oh, well, I have to put the dining room here and I have to put a table to eat here. When if, if you had wood everywhere, it just really opens up your options as to where you might want to land the different working areas of your family. Yeah. And I think I totally agree with you. I think the tile color is a little bit dated. I think that's what mm -hmm. might um, make her feel like she like there's some elements that are a little dated. But I think if you unify it with white walls and with wood floors, the whole space will feel kind of cohesive and it'll feel much more today. But but the hot tub's incredible. The house <laughs> itself is incredible. Um, it's really amazing. It is amazing. <laughs> Those front doors are stellar. Yeah, it's incredible, this house. Yeah, she's a lucky girl. Lucky girl. So kitchen in white too, though. I wanted to make sure. 
Yeah, I would do kitchen. the kitchen in white as well. What um, would you, to, I think she asked too what countertop she would think. She said a light stone, I thought. Oh, okay. I think that'd be great, actually, a light stone. Um, but yeah, I think if you did the kitchens and what, although I would do the wood floor in the kitchen um, mm-hmm. just to keep it all unified and have it kind of have that loft like feel. Um, and then, yeah, I think like a marble would be lovely. What about, she asked about the, um, the ceiling. I just want to clarify the, um, painting the ceiling white. So she said she wanted to probably keep the posts or the beams normal, but then the, the paneling, the paneled wood between the posts, she should paint white. I would do that. I would paint it. I would paint it all white. And then as I said, if the. If she does that and then eventually feels like okay. the beams are sticking out, she can always paint them too, but, you know, baby steps. Okay. Yeah. I, it reminds me actually of the first house that Simon and I bought on Shelter Island was this kind of rustic little shack um, that reminds me of this house. And it had a lot of, although this is like the, like, super extra Rolls Royce version of our, like, <laughs> VW Beetle house that we started in. Um, but we did the exact same thing. We just kind of took it, and in this case, we painted the floors white as well and created, took this kind of rustic A-framey house and unified it and made it feel fresh. <laughs> well, Jonathan, can you tell everyone where they can find you, follow you, see your work, shop your furniture collection? Yes. Um, well, we have 10 stores around the country that are sort of open-ish. Um, but my mm-hmm. website, jonathanadler.com, is always open. I would encourage you to get tangled in my web. Um, <laughs> you can follow me on Instagram at Jonathan Adler. Um, and keep your eyes peeled because we always have a ton of new and sizzling and life enhancing stuff popping up every day. Very exciting. Awesome. Yes. I love it. Thank you so much. Cool. We really appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure for a potter <laughs> to get to chat with you girls. We made up a new word. Thanks, Jonathan. <laughs> yes. All right. That's our show. Thank you so much for listening. You can leave us a review in your podcast app. We would love to read it. And of course, subscribe to the show so it downloads straight to your phone. The show notes for each episode are at howtodecorate.com slash podcast. And follow us on social media. And very exciting news. The How to Decorate podcast is now a skill on your Alexa. That's right. So you can just ask Alexa to play the How to Decorate podcast after you go and enable it under the skills on Amazon.com. Yes. Super easy. Super easy. Tell Alexa to play the How to Decorate podcast and your life will be so much easier. Exactly. (laughs) Okay. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. Happy happy decorating. decorating.